Hey, welcome to Smoker Broker. I'm Robert Mesh, and I'm the guy they call Smoker Broker. I hope everything's going well. Happy whatever day it is. <coughs> Who knows these days? I mean, it's either Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But it's good to be back. We've been off for uh, a little bit. You know, you get through the holidays, and you start back into the new year. And especially if you're in a market like we are, things can get complicated at times. Uh, but I was looking the other day, and I didn't realize it. And, and, and Brent, Mike, and Jim, that you've all been along uh, the entire time, uh, we're almost on year five of this. Uh, I looked at <coughs> 18 when we actually started there around uh, July or so. So it's amazing. It's amazing we've known Mark that long. And um, it's amazing that we, the podcast has stayed going that long, too. So I love that. And it, it's even more special when we get back in and we haven't done it for a month or so. So that's probably the longest time we've ever taken off from uh, doing it, but that's okay. I mean, like I said, things get uh, to where we have to focus on everything, but I love the fact that we can come right back into it and <coughs> providing the information that uh, we've been doing for a long time. So it's a, it's a different world right now when it comes to real estate. And it's been interesting how we've gone back <coughs> with whether we're, you know, uh, finally recovering, whether we're still um, you know, in a, in a little bit of a slump, uh, what does it look like in the future? It has been the most complicated uh, market that I've been in in 22 years. And I don't think anybody that's uh, uh, even a 30 or 40 or 50 year vet, um, vet would stay different because the uniqueness to this particular market, uh, the last time we've had kind of a, a slowdown would have been 2008, which that's that's kind of incredible if you really think about it. I mean, we are in 2023 right now, and 2008 is the last time we really had issues with the market, and that was a bad time. I got it. I mean, that even kind of just, I, I don't even know what to say in the fact that it's been that long. I, I keep thinking that that's only like just a couple years ago, and I just know how long we've been doing it. <coughs> such a long time to go through where you haven't had a slump and real estate typically is cyclical. Um, most of the time, every five or seven years, you know, you have a high and a low. We, we've talked about this before on the show, but you, you literally, if you look at real estate historically, it does just like this. And literally yes, parallel lines here, parallel lines here. So it's, it's interesting. We've gone that long. Now the difference between 2008 right now is we had a very brutal market at the time we went into 2008 you know the market had collapsed the uh financing had just gone just way out of line you had tons of inventory just sitting out there devalued and just not even looking at close to being able to sell unless you were just giving it away Got investors probably, they still dream about those days because that's probably the last time that they were, uh, you know, ecstatic about what was going on and uh, how life was because you literally could get some of the greatest deals ever. You know, plenty of millionaires made during that time frame. But today, now you have, you've had a great market uh, for the last, you know, what, 15 years, I guess. And now we've got to where we have our first slowdown. And this slowdown, it's different because this time we do not have that much inventory out there and we're coming off the highest level of prices we've ever seen. It's not where it's collapsed and all those prices, you know, they're sinking to where they're hundred or 200 K less or there's emergencies. It's just, it's a little bit less than it was last year or the year before. And the really positive thing about what we're looking at is even though we've had this and it is a slowdown, there's no doubt about it. We still believe uh, as the spring, as we get into the spring next month and as we enter the summer, we're not looking at the worst of markets. You know, it's funny. Uh, Keller just got through with their, um, uh, their annual uh, conference. In fact, Brent, uh, um, our director of ops up there, he, he was there for the, for the week and appreciated him going. Uh, I wasn't able to get out there, but Gary had a more aggressive take on, you know, what the market looks like 
uh, he, he kind of led towards the no sugar coating. It's going to be tougher uh, and it's going to be more gloom. And, and, and look, he, he's rarely wrong. I'm not disagreeing with him in, in, in any, in any way. I would never do that. That'd be just stupid anyways, but I, I'm just not so sure it's that gloom. Uh, I've said this for the last year on this particular podcast, and I still believe I'm right to this day. We have hundreds and thousands of buyers over the last two years that could not get into a house because there wasn't enough out there. And the bidding was ridiculously over what the houses were worth. And unless you had cash, you really were just out of the game completely. That's not the case right now. If you want a house, you can get it. The problem we have right now is a perception issue and an education issue with the general public. The general public is coming off a 20 year hiatus of interest rates that are well below 5%, even to the extent that they get to like they're in the mid three or low 3%, even at one time, even the upper twos, which I still can't believe that ever happened on a fixed note and that's a problem when it happens like that but you you it went for so long that you almost have people who were born the last time the we had a a a letdown that they're they've been raised their entire life not realizing that that's what an interest rate is supposed to be when the truth of it is historically the rate is good and acceptable between 9 and 11%. So we have an entire American public. What's the population today? Is 280 million or something like that? We have, we have no, 280 300. million. Yeah. 280 million people minus however many realtors they are. So what does that put us at 200? Uh, it's 1, it's 1. 1.6 is what they last showed at Family Reunion. Wow. 1.6 million. Incredible. And, and what he was really trying to hit at too is the amount of homes that will be sold in 2023 are going to take a significant drop, right? We've known that. So what he's saying is that if you're a real estate agent and you're doing the same things you did in the hot market, you're not going to make it. And only the agents that are going to be aggressive and are going to double down on their lead gen, which is more important than anything, are the ones that are going to survive. And the, and the weak ones are going to be weeded out. So if you're an experienced agent and you're with a good firm, you're going to be just fine. You're actually going yeah. to be appreciating this market just to weed out the person who just lists the house and it sells in 24 hours. Yeah. I love that take on it. And you know, the, the proof of that, and it's relevant to what we were just talking about the last downturn of 2008 SWR, our particular group grew. We grew when the market was down, we did double down and focused on the opposite side of it. And we, literally double the size of our firm during that time frame and really lay down the tracks for what the next 15 years would be. Um, because when you can, uh, grit it out in a market like that, you become very confident. You're like, well, there's not much else that we can see that's worse. And even right now, uh, kind of by the tone of my attitude, it's the same thing. I, I have not feared what's happening right now in a long time. Am I thrilled about it? This is by far the least amount of money I have made in, well, I, I don't remember the last time. And, and if you look at what my last four or five months were, and this goes for just about every mega out there, it ain't fun. <laughs> it's not fun at all. And it's literally, I mean, you can almost look at like a 70% drop in what we're normally making in there. Now, you would think the average person would just be in just panicking and I probably should at times, but I, I don't because I do believe I am an academic of the market. Uh, I do believe that I usually have a pretty good uh, take on it. And I usually am pretty close to saying that is what happened. That doesn't mean that I'm right. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is I usually have a pretty good grip on. I think that's what's going to happen. I do believe that everybody who has been waiting because that rate went low and this goes back to pretty much the last time we had our podcast in um, the late part of last year where we were talking about the rate had gone up and we have a lot of people just sitting out there because they want the rates to go down well we said back then and we're saying again right now 
they're going to figure out that they're not going to go back down and they're going to start seeing a slight increase. And when they start seeing that thing get back into the mid sixes with promises that it probably gets into the 7% range and we hit late March and April, they're going to start realizing that the people who reload, the people who are upsizing, downsizing, whatever, if they really need a house, they're going to realize that they probably can't wait anymore and they're going to get right back in there. And these are all those people that have been sitting on the sidelines waiting to buy us. And I got to tell you too, it, it, it's a tad hypocritical for those out there that all of us on this call and everybody inside of our firm, all the 165 agents that we have, have dealt with in the last two years, literally people crying because they can't have a house upset about what they're going to do yet those same people right now are waiting when those houses are out there and that it's just a tad it's a tad hypocritical because you know you're like i get it and i want the deals to be right i want the best deals out there but the fact that it's very reasonable right now and you're still sitting there very hard to have sympathy and empathy after what we went through with you guys over the last two years because the quite honest truth is the market is out there for you to get a very decent house at a very decent price at an outstanding interest rate. And mark my words on this podcast right here. What are we at today? Are we like at upper fives or low sixes in on the rates right now? I'll check real quick. I can wow. promise you that thing's at seven percent by the end of summer. So last year too and I was right on that. Right now we're at six point eight seven. Yeah, there you look wow. Yeah. What, six six eight. Yep. Six eight. That thing that that's that's a big jump it's taken. I'm supposed to know what that thing is daily. And it wasn't, but what, six three, not even a couple of weeks ago. It See, was five nine two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Y'all, y'all better quit screwing it. Look, we do this podcast live. We don't set it, we don't just say we're gonna talk about this or that. You're expressing you're seeing on my face. I just told you something that I didn't even know. And it actually has already happened. And I thought that that was another month away. It's already beating the door down at seven. You know, Gary hit on this really hard during the vision speech. Um, He was talking about, and I found this interesting, you know, he's talking, is addressing the people as saying, well, we're going to wait for rates to come down. And he's like, when, like where, where, and you know, we're going to wait for them to come back down to three. And he said that we're not going to see a 3% rate or even a 4% rate in our lifetime. That's gone. Yeah. We will never see that again. He said, you may not even see below a five in our lifetime. So that's here to stay. The average over the past, uh, I think he did since 1990 is a 7% rate. That's just been the average. If you look, we've had the ups and downs. We were way under undervalued on that. He also addressed that the reason rates aren't gonna go down is because obviously the government has to combat inflation. And they said, if they drop that rate, let's say they drop it to four, everyone's going to go be buying houses. The housing rates, the prices are going to jump way up again. And then inflation is going to be even more rampant. So they're not going to adjust those rates for a long time. He also was very big into saying that when people complain about, oh, it's too much house, I can't afford it. He was even pushing if if that house, that mortgage payment is 60% of of your income, go for it. Because what that does is that secures your housing price every month you have that secured and he was basically saying maybe the millennials need to stop getting their 25 dollars cocktails and just put that into their house on that you got to appreciate gary (laughs) so look i'm gonna do i'm gonna do i'm gonna do two things right now one i want to make sure i introduce my buddies down there uh jim mccauley and mike dallas they are uh longtime friends and longtime associates of us uh they they run the firm with me and brent uh they're First of all, they're experts. They're great guys. They're good friends of mine. Uh, Jim runs our folks down there in Austin. Uh, Mike's been a longtime uh, loyal guy that we have inside the firm and our family uh, and, is, and and actually been one of the cornerstones of the podcast that we've done uh, for five years. So I love it when they're on. I was making sure, you know, Brent and I talk a lot because we actually deal with everything day to day. But uh, Mike, Jim have great insight and they are going to chime in if they can get between me and Brent on our breaths when we're talking. That's the first thing. The second thing, this show was titled 
working with a buyer. I'm not so sure we're going to even get to it because I, I think there's we have so much information right now that we're talking about. I think it's going to drive us uh, the full hour. And I don't have any problem with that because anytime we get on a subject that's that important and I can sense that I still know there's another hour or two in there, that's good for everybody out there. Because I can tell you, even in the first uh, uh, 15 minutes of what we've already done, all that information is extremely valid for anybody who's watching right now and who watches on um, uh, the archive um, uh, down the road. So with that said, I'm going to go back to what I was talking about with Gary. So <laughs> Gary has a huge following, right? And you could even if you got a family reunion, you see yeah, yeah, everybody's taking pictures with Gary and you know, they, they, he has the what you would expect and the awe. And, and he deserves it because, because he really is what's considered to be the father of modern day real estate. I mean, if you look at uh, some of the bigger firms out there, uh, you know, and, and even like an EXP, which I'm not saying anything bad about him, but y'all EXP is, is, is created by disgruntled KW guys that learn from Gary and they kind of mimic the same thing. So, no matter how far EXP always goes about how well they're doing, how great they're doing, they can never get past the fact that they come from the line of Gary, okay? So with that said, with us, we, we, we're never going to go, you won't see us in, a, in, in an awe of Gary. And I'm saying this in a complimentary way, all right? Gary for us isn't uh, in awe or a, he, he's a business partner for us. And the point I'm trying to make is he is very intelligent when it comes to the market itself. I've rarely seen him wrong in all the years I've done this. Now, the significance to that, Brent was there and Gary just told 10 to 15,000 people that work for him that they're never seeing three or 4% again, which I actually believe. I actually believe that too. I don't think we're ever going to see it again. Now, I got to admit, you got to go to say he doesn't think he goes under five again. That's a bold statement because to me, that's always a possibility. But y'all, if someone like that made that comment, you better start coming to reality that if you're waiting for something like that, you are in a lot of trouble. I, I, well, I promise you, he does not make grand statements, Brent. Speaking to agents, not the consumer, but he, he there's a slide that he puts up and it was during the, the Great Recession and there were two companies and, and, you know, obviously everybody cuts back expenses during that time, but the company that cuts back on all their expenses, including their marketing lead generation, they never recovered from that. You can see their, their value drop. Mm -hmm. And then it stayed here and slowly went up, but it stayed down. And the team that actually doubled down on their their lead gen and their marketing, they shot up during that recession and they were way higher. So, so, you know, as agents, if you're going to be cutting back, cut back on on anything you can, but your lead generation. You know, Gary cut said, back on your cocktails. Well, that, <laughs> yeah, that's like that. He also so, said, cut back on your cable. He goes, that's the first thing you should cancel because if you're doing what you should, you shouldn't be having time to be watching TV anyways. And I thought that yeah. was kind of eye-opening. So that was another thing. There's so many interesting things that what Brent said, I couldn't even get all the uh, thoughts out. And I want to come back to that uh, that cocktail thing because that's another thing uh, about Gary that's interesting. And y'all, I intentionally just said a minute ago that we, like us, it's not that we're in awe of Gary. It doesn't, and again, that's a compliment to him. He, he, he doesn't want that anyway. What it, what it means is the information that he says is that valid to us. So from an intelligence level and a business partner level, he is super important to us. And what Jim just reminded me of what Brent said, he's not joking about that $25 cocktail, even though Gary doesn't drink, all right? Uh, he, has, well, he has wine. But he's not a big drinker, but he's being serious about the fact that he knows that a lot of us, when we go out, hell, I'm included, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll do that. And, and it's, it's, it's extra. But when you're in a market where you're having to pick and choose and hypocritically, after I just said that even my income can be down 70% in like four or so months or the last four months, maybe even longer than that, that, that kind of puts in perspective 
maybe we should be focusing in on certain things. Now, Brent's been talking about, Gary made a big deal about lead generation. And I love it because inside of our own group, that's all we've been focusing with for the last two or three months, more than we ever have, because Keller has given us the tools to do it and we're implementing those tools. But when you have Gary addressing that many people to a point where he's saying you shouldn't have the extra cocktail or you shouldn't even be looking at cable or screwing around with cable, he's making a point to a real estate agent. The ones that are going to make it, all they are looking at is does their budget support them getting out and doing lead generation because he knows the lead gen still works. What happens is for all the people out there and all the agents out there, 90% of them are not going to do that because one, they just don't have the will. And two, a lot of times they start financially making decisions like he just said that don't support the budget that they should have. So the 10% and that rule, it's usually the 80-20 rule. In real estate, it's the 90-10 rule. The 10% do 90% of the work. And what he's hinting at, or actually he's not even really hinting at, he's outright saying that that's exactly the people that are going to go out there and start massively taking over the market. People like the guy that just came on, you know, Jared Smith, who is a ridiculous real estate agent in volume. Uh, and Gary is talking about people like him. Gary is saying that those are the guys that are going to do well because even if the market is down, they are creating their legion in such a way that they are going to continue to not only have the business they normally have, but they're going to pick up the business that the rest of them left out there. So when you talk about an overall market that is maybe gloomy or, or it's depressed, that's for a certain amount of people. There are other people, like pretty much the guys on this call, that take that as opportunity. And, and I'm going to go back on something I said a minute ago, because I believe it. I should be worried about what's happened the last four or five months. You know, Jared, before you came on there, I was talking to them about, you know, my income is probably down for the last four or five months, probably 70% to what it normally is. And you would think that that's something that makes me panic, but it doesn't bother me in the least because I really believe the framework for what we have out there and what we've seen the last couple of years, that that market, there's a lot of people out there. You're seeing it. Hell, you really haven't seen the slowdown, right? I mean, you actually have been going through and doing pretty well. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen a slowdown on my end, but I mean, I mean, it goes from one to two closings a month, but that's my slowdown. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I have, <laughs> I mean, no, but it's like, but I'm seeing a huge pickup. I mean, it's insane. Like I see the market t taking off because at the end of the day, you know, no matter if people decide to move or sell, I think the biggest thing difference of 2008 is that, you know, no matter what, how you look at it, where the values are, you still have tons of equity in there. And yeah. if you want to buy that rate down with all that money you have or do it wrong, you have the ability to do so. And that leverages you to be able to make people comfortable with the actual process. Because I tell people, and I truly believe this, this is the last time someone can afford a house before another boom. I really do believe so. Sure. I think prices are getting pretty ridiculous, especially within the, I would say the inner city areas where the more populated areas are like Frisco, Prosper, or, you know, Dallas, a lot of those. I feel, I truly feel this is the last time you have an opportunity for a first time buyer or second time buyer that want to, you know, that just that had that were married and they had a kid and they're outgrowing their house and trying to plan for the future. You know, I think this two to three year, every year buying a brand new housing, it, it will end. You know, Jared, it's funny, before you came on, that that talks right in line with what Brent was saying about one of the summaries from uh, Family Reunion, where Gary was exactly saying that if they hope for that there's an interest rate that gets below 5%, which he actually believes is not going to happen again, uh, you know, even if it did, it would create that boom that you're talking about. So even the hypocritical, hypocritical side of it, is if it did what they wanted to do, it would be a nightmare for them. So it's probably not going to happen. And if it doesn't, it does continue to have 
a very slight increase. Now, it does depend on where you live. Our podcast a lot of times goes through most of the folks in the south because a lot of our, our, our guys are in the southern hubs where we're in uh, a lot of Texas, you know, Atlanta, Florida. But in the end, if you're talking about California or New York, Jared already is right about that. It's already becoming almost impossible for someone. But here, we're looking at that, too, in the Midwest and the Southeast. It's going to be a slower progression. But at some point, I mean, we're going to get to where if if, if, if a house is if a first time homebuyer is, is paying 500K for a house and you're already at inflation issues that probably even though they might not skyrocket, they don't go away for the next couple of years or so. That that's that's a, that gives you an opportunity window that right now you really should be taking advantage of what's out there because it's not a bad time to be in the market. That's what's funny though. The the agents right now are down because you had a break slam. And and if you did watch our pod, podcast at the end of the last year, and, and I'm actually kind of proud of this, the only thing we were really wrong about was how quick those breaks slammed. If you watch all my podcasts, I said it since June. I go, it's gonna, it's gonna come to a stop. That rate is gonna go. There's not one thing you won't be able to see that I had that in there. The only thing that I was a little bit off on is I did not expect them to put both the feet on the brakes and slam it doing 180 because that is exactly what happened in October. And you know, if you look at the the graphs. It's 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 readily easy to see that you went from a uh, a rate of three point two to seven point five in less than a month, y'all. That has never happened. That I would say the big thing also that is helping me is that get with a lender that can do a buy down rate, and like yeah. that feels really really comfortable with a lot of people that are you know, shopping for houses because they don't, they're not worried the first year. They're not worried the second year. And by the time the third year comes and they want to, you know, refinance and the rates are lower by all means, but gives them, buys them time. But I know that the, like finding a letter with a buy down rate and, um, you know, a lot of builders right now are doing pretty good incentives with just interest rates alone. I've even saw well, Lenar. Funny, they're we, back into the incentive game, right? After, I know. Yeah. It's it, 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 like, people for the last two years. Yeah, they're back I, to... yeah. I've been really wanting to tell these guys that, you know, kiss my ass because it's, just, <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. But, you know, it's but like, you know, it's just. Jim, Jim works for New Construction and I'm going to make a, 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 a disclaimer. Jim is a little bit different. He's a high-end uh, construction guy. It's probably not so much on him that we're talking about as those uh, those 300 to 500 K guys that have been out there just sticking it to every single person because Jared's right in the back of our head. We, we really, the comments that we want to make to them, it is so hard to keep a straight face with a new builder right now with what they did in the last two years. And then they're sending us incentives and begging us to come in. You know, it's like, I, I, it, it, you don't even know how to look at them and just say, this is the same thing, right? You're the same guy the last you told me. Yeah. Uh, you're going to raise it while I'm while I'm in the, when the in the room. You're going to raise the price uh, on me. So that's funny. I mean, that's just insane to me that uh, we're talking about that. And, and Jared is right. The the we've been talking about all the guys here will tell you we've been uh, talking big time about the mortgage hack and how to teach uh, our guys to understand the finance side better to go find a lender that knows how to tell the client, hey, look, if you're concerned about the interest rate, there are like literally. 15 to 20 ways around it. Jim, I want to talk to you about in, in Austin. So Austin's interesting to me because I think that they're seeing, uh, they're seeing this times 20 versus what the rest of us are seeing. Austin clearly went off the roof um, last year where, I mean, it, it almost became close to what Los Angeles is where you have a house that's like 800 square feet selling it. 300 400,000 which is just ridiculous especially in central texas but even now in austin it's very interesting to see how those prices are kind of just doing this and what what's your favorite word on that uh, uh jim was it price uh price improvement yeah you know, jim loves that jim that we, we use it too. Me nuts. a lot of us I hate that term <laughs> I see that price improvement, price improvement. Jared uses it, I use it, but it, I don't like it either. I, it's a terrible thing to say 
Mm. But it's true. And you're seeing a lot of that in Austin because you had so many people just out of their minds with the way they were going through, pushing that market up. And Austin, more than anybody right now, boy, they are hitting those brakes hard because they're having to restructure. Yes, we know that was ridiculous. Now we need to get back down. How far do we go down? Where do we put a stop to it? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it has been too bad. I think I, would, I, I think year over year, the price uh, drop here has been about 10 to 12 percent. And it's actually kind of stabilized now just because, you know, it's interesting, you know, to see builder confidence is up seven points right now, which, but at the same time, they're getting ready to release a record amount of homes on the market, which I find is interesting. I do too. You know? And then, and then another thing that's getting ready to hit real big time is all these rentals, uh, the multifamily that's getting ready to hit and crazy amounts are getting ready to uh, come on the market over the next nine months. So all of a sudden rentals are going to suddenly become very competitive against the existing homes and, you know, oh, out there. And, needed because, it, you know, we don't talk about it enough, but mm -hmm. last year the rentals got out of line too. I mean, you're, you're talking about mm -hmm. a, a, a place that should have been, you know, 900 to $1,000 worth of rent at 25 or 2,600, especially in Austin. And that's just, that that's not the way it's meant to be. You know, it, at some point you want to tell, and we have a lot of investors in our crew too. At some point you want to tell somebody, you know, the whole purpose why they rent is because they can't afford most of the time, they can't afford a house payment. So if you start getting to where rentals are as high as the house payment, you're going to put yourself in a very precarious situation because you're going to have a $10 million project that has been built and projected around $1,500 rents that literally could go to 700 or 800. And you're talking about a massive loss for investors that have pulled together. And, and I tell you, those guys, they're the ones who should be very careful right now as to what's going on, because you're right. In the last few years, they've been building. You see them too, when you're on the interstate, you'll look to the side you'll see massive blocks of multifamily being built. And even what's not built has already been bought to be built. And as the suburbs push out, those guys, they're going to be in a world of hurt when the housing market subsides a little bit and it becomes more reasonable to buy a house. And they've been betting on all these people renting because it was so competitive. And then it starts dropping, or it wasn't they could they could put anybody in that they wanted to. And then they are going to have to start competing with somebody else it's going to be a problem for them. And I don't think they know that it's coming. You know, Mike, and, and you're as close to anybody in uh, a, a college town. Well, I mean, Jim, Jim is too, but you literally are um, on the uh, inside the, uh, the Denton area where, you know, you got, you got the uh, University of North Texas and you have TWU. Uh, you're familiar with the TCU area very well. Your daughter goes to TCU. And even in those markets where we... There, for the last couple of years, we haven't had investors in those areas. I mean, what what are you paying up in, in, in Denton, in North Texas for a little house right now? What was it five years ago versus what it is today? It's probably 1,400 five years ago, and, and now yeah, you're rent, probably right? upwards of 3,000. Yeah, and that's rent. Think about the housing. Think of, you, you and I used to look at this, too. Look at it because we've, we, we've shared some of the same clients over there. You know, a duplex in Old Town Denton uh, 10 years ago, I mean, you, you literally could have got a great duplex for like 175000 I mean, a good, an income producing one. And, and now you'd be lucky if you got that under half a million. You know, it's hard for Brent and I because we, you know, the guys call and they, they want us to do it. We had one, I think, this past week, right, Brent, where they wanted us to comp a duplex. And, and it's just it, the price I was out. off to you because I was too busy. It was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And, and, you know, we're trying to tell the new agent, I can't remember if it was a new agent or even a veteran agent, but we're trying to tell them, I'm like, the, a lot of times when you're purchasing a property like that right now, there is not going to be a comp or a deal. You're probably overpaying for it because you're having to accept the fact that you want the asset even though you're overpaying for it, you're in it for the long haul. 
which that's okay. But when you're talking about the same duplex that me and Mike are mentioning, that was 175, that's 500K today, that becomes a lot more difficult when you start messing around. We see this in Denton. You know, Mike's daughter uh, goes to um, TCU, and there's there's a, a pretty big difference. TCU's a private university versus Denton being more of a state university in there. But even in that area, that used to be a very good investment area, which still is. But my God, well, they're all, they're tearing all the they're tearing all the old ones down now. Ah, so that was the other thing I was about to get to as well. Now you get to that stage where in the markets that are already at capacity that people want to be in, now the rule of thumb is, well, I'll just tear it. I'll pay for it, put it down. Because after the time I'm done paying for the teardown and building a new one, it's worth twice as much as it was before. And I'm actually proud of the fact that even some of our own agents, you know, uh, Alan Rosner's not on the call today, but you've seen him on our podcast before. Alan's a savvy investor. He figured out two or three years ago oh, when the market started spiking, he can't go get the investments that he normally did. He did the smartest thing he can. He's like, screw it. I'll just go build it myself. So he goes off and builds a few duplexes, very cost conscientious because he knows exactly what to put into it. He would have never been able to get that market value and if i'm not mistaken those houses are about to go up for lease smart smart dude smart guy because he knows that it's hard to get that on their own so that's another avenue that we look at is the existing is it too expensive to get into it and kind of what jared was talking about do we are we getting to a point where it doesn't become affordable enough if it just keeps skyrocketing like that there has to be some type of balance at yeah. some point in there, well, you know, Gary made made, you know, some big points as far as, you know, you're always going to come out ahead in real estate as long as you stay in it for the long haul. Right. Like you were That's talking right. about. And if you think about people that bought in 2007 before the big crash, if those people stayed in, do you think somebody that paid 250 for a house in 2007 where, you know, the value dropped down to, you know, 180? Do you think if they're still in that house, they feel bad about that house they have now? That's probably worth 600, you yeah. know, so stay in it for the long haul. Uh, set your set your housing expenses in advance with a mortgage because you know landlords are going to see these prices continuing to go up and they're going to raise rents every year so get into a house yeah i, I think the greatest hypocrisy ever is when someone buys a house and they feel like they've overpaid for it i'm like well, let's clarify overpaying did you overpay if you bought it in a high market and you want to sell it next year yeah but did you overpay if you bought it in a high market and you had it for 20 years? And just like Brent said, now it's worth twice what it was then. I mean, it's a, it's a tad hypocritical. You know, I, I joke with my dad all the time uh, because I still, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I've been everywhere in the country, almost every single city uh, since I was, you know, 25 years old with the other, uh, the older jobs I had. And uh, there's, there's not anywhere I haven't seen before. And yet, in all the travels that I've had, I still, I actually still reside and practice, you know, only five miles away from where I really grew up and which I find funny for me, but I joked my dad a lot because, and, and this, is, this is, this is funny because this just happened, um, uh, last week I had a, um, uh, a, an older uh, client that said they wanted me to come check out one of their houses. So I'm going through and. I'm looking at the GPS and it actually, it, it turns me on a street that I, I grew up on over 45 years ago, which is completely random. And so obviously, you know, when you see that you go by, you look at it, you remember, uh, and then you're, any realtor always goes back and looks at how much does the house cost now? So I, I tease my dad because years later, he, he, when I got into real estate, he told me, well, because, you know, I think we paid $75,000 for that house. Well, it was $75,000 in, what, 1978? And then and, and, and today, it, it, it's like 680000 So, you know, it's funny. Even he jokes about it. He's like, I can't believe that that house cost that much. But it's the point we're making. Overpay or not, who gives a damn? If, if, 
Gary is right over the I've never seen someone buy property and 10 years later it's worth less. I, I think that's something that the general public needs needs to start grasping when they talk about their investments, their stocks, their um, their portfolio. They can make all the comments they want about this stock did this, this stock did that. The only investment that I know in this country that never has gone historically down over time is a house. It, are, do, you, do we get caught in bad situations and someone can lose on a house? Sure, short term. Every, every negative, horrible story you've ever heard about someone doing a bad on a house was short term and it was driven by something that was very bad inside that personal life, whether it was a divorce, whether it was bigger, like it was an economic downturn. But if they stayed over time, it is not arguable or debatable that that house will eventually earn them money. And that is the most simplistic reason why real estate will always stay at the top when it comes to investing. As far as the goals that you should have, that's where you want to be. The pain to get into it, the pain to hold it. You know, some of the people that I think I'm super proud of, um, and they're even guys that don't work for me anymore because they work for themselves. But, um, you know, our buddy over there, uh, Jeff Richardson, uh, he worked with us for a while. And uh, Jeff, well, he's still young. He was younger at the time. He's still young to me now. But he started with us where he really didn't have that much money. And he started buying houses because he knew that if they're leveraged over time, that he could be wealthy with it. And believe me, he would he he scrimped everything to get into those houses. I mean, probably to where it hurt him. And I'm I see him today. You guys, I think some of you are on his stuff too. Every other week, he's got a new house he's putting up because he's leveraging off the rest of because he knows over time that's the best investment he's ever going to have. And that's what makes this job great. It makes us great because we can help other people with it. It makes us great because we can take advantage of it when we have the means to do it. And that's really what propels why we love real estate in general. Not just a, uh, a comment to boast, this is a great job. What we're talking about not only is it a great job, it's a great part of your life. It's the essential cornerstone of all the investments that we do. So, you know, it might sound like we're trying to raise up real estate, how great it is, but Look at the attitudes that each of us have on this call right now. There's not a negative gloom on anybody's tone on this call. And we are at the absolute bottom of where we should be income wise right now. We should be sweating it, worried about it, not sleeping about it because it is as low as it's been in a long time. That doesn't even come close to my worry ever because I know the way that market runs that it always recovers itself. And now more than ever, do we have the biggest launch pad to make that even just an incredible market. I still believe we are looking at a fairly decent market. And that's, like I said, I'm, not, I'm never gonna contradict Gary. Um, he's clearly made the point that he thinks the market is much rougher, but in that same breath, he said that the ones, the 10% the out there that are doing the lead gen he says they don't do bad. That's actually what I'm talking about. Honestly, I don't care about the 90%. If, if, if you want to be the 90% that screws around and, 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 and doesn't do the things that you're supposed to, that's your choice. You know, one thing we're super um, high on right now is we finally gotten to the point with our crew that if, if they're telling us they're struggling, I'm like, let's show me what, what you've done that we told you to do. And if they don't do it, I'm like, I don't know what, I don't know why you're complaining to me. I go, we showed you what to do and we know it works. We know that if you do those things, you'll do well. So the 90%, a lot of times I'm just like, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what to tell you. I go, all it took was a little bit of effort. Hell, you don't even have to have a lot of money to do it. Things that we tell you to do, a lot of it's just pure will and work ethic and discipline and going out and doing it versus just, thinking about it or sitting there putting it on a piece of paper and hoping it works. I, now, Brent, I saw something this past week that he said, um, it, it was along those lines about, 
I don't remember how he said it, but he, he was going about, you put all these plans down and, and, and they're all great, but you don't focus on that one plan. You just keep rummaging around and they never work. And, and no one would ever accuse me of being hypocritical. I'm very guilty of this. And Brent, in fact, I had this conversation with Brent the other day that I have tons, I, I, you know, I go every day there's in, in my phone, there's a note section. If I think of something, an idea, it goes in there. And some of those ideas are they're probably worth a lot of money, but I just sometimes cannot get to it. And that's exactly what Gary's been talking about. It does no good for me to have all those ideas if I don't implement them every day and stick on them. And I, I, I'll use myself as an example, um, even if it's a poor one all the time, because I think it happens to any of us. You do have to have some set of focus in there. It, it wasn't it something like that, Brent. I, I can't remember. I saw someone that might have been in the mastermind one. With, yeah, it was, you know, it was because someone did post that quote in the mastermind. You're right. That is exactly where it came from. Because thanks, Robert. They, uh, they made they, <laughs> you, you, Maybe you should be it. <laughs> they said something about it, and that's exactly what they were clarifying. That you you, you, you lose the uh, you do the old uh, miss the forest for the. Uh, uh, Mr. Forrest for the trees. You know, the, and, big, the big, biggest thing is just cutting out all the distractions. And, yeah. And, you know, and, and I know what and you're saying. I have all the excuses. Excuses yeah. fall into distractions too. Because there's so many times I have all these ideas like what you're saying. I'm writing them out. I got this great list, but I get, I let the distractions get in the way. And, and so I've really had to turn around and start scheduling a time to hit those things and say, this is my time. Distractions go away. You, know, you just got to do yeah. it. I was in a luxury like panel and there was a quote that I wrote down um, that we should push with our team. And it's, if you're not dating your database, someone else is. And, yeah. you know, that that's where you get online and you see that someone else, someone that you know bought a house with another agent. And that, I mean, those agents are going to be working. So it's either you get it yeah. or someone else does. And I've been really vocal for the last few months because I do, I do accept responsibility for work when I've done things wrong. You know, Jim and I always joke about it. Jim always teased me when I was younger, if I had a little bit of an arrogance way to me and I always joked with him. I'm like, dude, that's the last thing that I am uh, because I can be very confident at times, but anybody would think the other way about me. I'm the, I cut myself down more than anybody. And what we're talking about right now, I'm responsible for a lot of the guys that I have that I have not taught them properly when it comes to lead gen. And I'm making up for it now in a big way. But sometimes it takes a lot. You know, Jared's a very good example. Jared doesn't need, and those of you who don't know, Jared's a, <laughs> he doesn't talk about it much. But he's a, yeah, Jared's a, Jared's a big four time NFL player. He has a, he's a Super Bowl champion. Uh, Jared doesn't need the average regular um, workload that somebody does that are all those 90% of people out there because he can create that on his own. However, and this is what I love about him more than anything, he knows this. And, 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 and this is why he's like the poster child or poster man for anybody that's a professional athlete because Jared goes out there and not only gets the stuff that he would already get just because of who he is, but he still implements the things that he's supposed to as a regular agent. Now, Jared's been with me for a while now and, and, and he's just in, done incredible, but we still haven't shown him everything that he's capable of in that database because I never pushed him to do it. Now he did it on his own, trust me. He didn't need me to tell him to do his database, but now we're getting on top of where we try to give him even more ideas for that so that he can continue to grow. And that is something where I failed at because I'm coming to the realization, and this goes back to the dating, the database. I've never been a fan of putting my face in that database. That's probably one of the top five things I've been wrong in. And I'm 22 years into this and I don't have any problem saying it because I know damn good and well, I still have plenty of time to correct it. And I'm spending every day now doing that. Right, Jared? I mean, isn't that pretty much what we're going through? I mean, yeah. I mean, I have a pretty big issue of 
disclosing a lot of that stuff is probably one of my biggest issues just because I'm not quite a fan of that. Now, don't get me wrong. I have a database, like a separate database that Keller or no one has access to. Um, right. You know, but yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like my whole role is like, you know, football and stuff here gets me my foot in the door. Then once my foot's in the door, I pretty much got it. I mean, I'm not really too worried well, about you, it. You know how I feel about that. You, you know that I actually believe that you never have needed your other side. I, I don't believe you've ever needed it because the way you are, you are a good real estate agent and you don't need it. It's just, it's just yeah. extra. No. And, and I'll tell you, anybody who watches the uh, podcast, especially with connections to to Jared and, you know, the, the people that he doesn't talk a, a lot about because he, he, he's not going to because it's private because there are people who are don't want to be in the public eye. But those people that are out there, he knows exactly where to go. He's the shining example of what someone who gets out of professional sports, out of being a celebrity, is supposed to do. They're not supposed to waste their money. They're not supposed to throw it. They're not supposed to go from making a hundred million to being broke. You know, even the guys that are at the three or four million dollar mark, those guys should be well off the rest of their lives if they have a set pattern. And and Jared's basically taking those things and and trying to teach those guys that that is the model. And, you know, that's it's a little off the topic of what we're talking about, but it's not because it's talking about managing your database, no matter what it is. Yeah. At high level or low level, it still has to be worked all the time. And and that's what I think is so brilliant about the industry it, itself. It doesn't matter whether you're, you know, a $30 million producer or a $5 million producer. In the end, the game plan is still the same. You interact with that database all day long. Okay, we're at 1055. Yeah. Um, so I want to reiterate one thing. And, and, and maybe Mark can go back and change the title when we go back and we push this live. We didn't end up doing working with a seller. And I those are my favorite episodes. My favorite episodes are when we actually say we're going to do that. One, and then we go the whole other way because it was that important. This one all became about what's happening right now, what it is that we need to do. It's probably a good state of where we are at. Because I promise you, if you go back and watch this one, that is a very good summary as to what's happening. Right now. Very useful for you over the next few months if you follow everything that we've been talking about today. I want to appreciate everybody telling you, uh, thank you for watching. Make sure you share this out there, especially for the newer agents. This was a Lunatic Digital production. Visit lunaticdigital.com for all your digital needs.